Here's the last one. You had me at let's stay in and watch Netflix. All right. There you go. All right. Well, hey, turn your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 1 of John. And uh, we've been in this, I think this is our fourth week, and we're going to work our way through the whole book with a little bonus in the middle, around chapter 8 or so, a little bonus uh, funky series. Um, so here we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting at verse 12. And this is God's word. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, from birth, uh, you've been received. From birth, you've been received. Um, you had nothing to do with uh, where you were born. You had nothing to do with the parents to whom you were born, the time in which you were born, uh, the color of which you were born. You had nothing to do with that. You were brought into this world, um, and you were received um, you, uh, by your mother and father. They received you, and uh, guess what you did then? You received them back. They received you into this world. You had nothing to do with it. You were born into it. They received you, and then you received them back. And if there's any, any, ever a question about that in your mind, just remember, you had nothing to do with conception. Nothing. You were simply conceived, and you were born into this world. Uh, you were given new life where there was no life before. And so, it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, and that's where I kind of get our first, uh, our big idea here. We receive we, because we've first been received. Now, that's a play on 1 John uh, 4.19, which is uh, we love because we've first been loved. It's the same writer, the same apostle John wrote this gospel and wrote his first epistle. Uh, we love because we've first been loved. And basically, he's saying here uh, in, in the gospel of John is that we've been received, uh, we receive because we've first been received. Uh, same idea. And what's interesting about both ideas is that uh, if you go to John's epistles or if you go to this gospel, they're both framed in the context of family. Um, in the gospel of John, it has very much to do with brothers and sisters loving one another and not just, um, not just some kind of um, generalized uh, blanket love for humanity, which is very easy, by the way. It's very easy to say, well, I love all humanity. That's very simple. You know why that's so easy to say? There's nothing messy about it. Um, oh, I love all humanity. I think human life has a marvelous value. Well, great. It does. It does. Easy to say, very little investment. Uh, it's generalized. It's hard to verify. It's impersonal. It's not messy. Well, familial love is very messy. It is really engaging with somebody. It's really being in their lives and, and participating with them. And um, so the, the context in this text, in this gospel text, is also familial. Uh, it's also messy. In verse 13, it says, excuse me, in, end of verse 12, it says, he gave the right to become children of God. Like a babe, in a spiritual sense, ladies and gentlemen, we're given new spiritual life in Christ. Like a babe who is born, we have become children of God, and that means that we have been received of God, and we thus receive him. And that doesn't account for all the mystery in that, but, uh, but there it is. So let's move to our first point. Uh, and try to uh, dissect all this, uh, the big, small word, uh, the big, small word. Um, 
Years ago, I taught on a Fall Creek Falls trip, and you know that's changed now. They, we've outgrown Fall Creek Falls uh, permanently, and so now that we're going to a place called Trout Lodge for the first time this year. But back, back in the day, Fall Creek Falls, I taught on a junior high trip, and my big idea for the week was, my big title was, A Very Big Butt. And I thought that was going to work great with uh, junior high kids and that they would remember that their whole lives and that passage would be seared into their understanding. Of course, they've long forgotten it and me. But um, that was my, my, my whole thing. And what I did was I was teaching through Ephesians 2. And I would love for you to flip there for just a second. This is a different apostle, the apostle Paul. And um, the, the comparison is going to be that the apostle Paul makes a very bleak statement but then it's contrasted with the most wonderful thing ever. So in Ephesians 2, uh, I'm not going to read it from uh, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians, about being dead in transgressions and sins, okay? But that's the point. Dead means dead. You're helpless. We've we've been in this passage before uh, talking about about the gospel of John. But, but, But pick it up. It is a bleak scenario. We are sons of disobedience, dead in trespasses and sins. We walked in them. We followed the course of the world, the the rulers of this world, and so on. And then in verse 4, it says this, but God, I mean, you see the comparison. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, by nature children of wrath, deserving of God's wrath, in the path of God's wrath, in in the path of experiencing the withholding of God's grace, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then you get the famous Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But that's, that's, the, that's the big but, the very big but. This bleak scenario, the bleakest scenario that can be painted for humanity, but God intervened and switched everything around because of his great mercy. Now back to our passage. The Apostle John is doing something similar. He paints a very bleak uh, story. Um, he, he, his gospel is different than the other three. He starts with Jesus' divinity. Um, he tells us that Jesus is this divine being in verse 3 of uh, John uh, chapter 1. All things were made through Jesus. Without him was not anything made that was made. That's divine creative power. That is Jesus as God. And in fact, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All right, so you've got this this divine view of Jesus Christ, and then we're also given the bad news by the Apostle John in verse 10. He was in the uh, the world, he was in the world, this Jesus, this living word, this life giver. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own people, and they didn't receive him either. And so what a bleak picture. Not only does the entire world reject her maker, but then God's got a peculiar, particular people singled out, and uh, he deals with them uh, over centuries, and they've experienced his mercy, 
They've experienced his deliverance, his prophetic word in the midst of the people. Uh, Prophets are sent. Um, They experience God's personal presence, his uh, covenantal promises. Um, They uh, know his judges, his kings. All these things poured out over centuries, and that people group also reject the Savior. Bleak scenario, friends. Bleak. I mean, all of humanity and then the specialized humanity uh, rejecting. Here's humanity's situation. Uh, one commentator, uh, I've got everything he's written, I think, um, uh, William Hendrickson, he, sa- he calls it a pathetic fact. <laughs> it is a pathetic fact that the world uh, did not acknowledge the Creator. And as we previously discussed, acknowledging the Creator is not merely acknowledging his existence. Oh, yes, I believe Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. Neither is acknowledging the Creator or acknowledging Jesus um, a matter of, um, of saying, uh, oh, yes, I believe in God. I've always believed in God. That's not the same thing. Or it's not even the same thing to say, I believe Jesus um, is the Savior that God sent. Well, that, that's not even receiving or acknowledging the Savior. I believe that he was the Savior that God sent. The demons believe that. Uh, we'll talk about that more precisely. But the, the whole point is, ladies and gentlemen, that the, the creation has rejected the creator and the method of salvation provided by him. That is bleak indeed. Uh, it's another way of saying, uh, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. And yet, we're given another giant however. You know what that is? That's a, that's a big but. A giant however. We're given another big but. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Look at the contrast. Uh, presented uh, of humanity. We've got the world that didn't know him, his own people that didn't receive him, and yet there's a people group who do. And uh, there's just the one or the other, saith the Scriptures, all throughout. There's only two kinds of people, a people group who do submit to God and acknowledge and receive him, and a people group who don't. There's only two kinds of people uh, painted in the Scriptures. Um, You either believe it or you reject it. And with that said, all that, we can move quickly to our application. All right, so here's the application for your life. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, all right. What does it mean to receive Jesus? What, it, what does it mean to acknowledge Jesus? Um, I'll say this. You better walk out of this room with um, a solid answer because your entire um, eternity is riding on it. What does it mean to receive him? Um, I can't tell you how many times in the last 22 years that... Um, I've heard Christians answer. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying dozens. I'm, saying, I'm not saying just a hundred. I'm saying hundreds in the hundreds of times. I've heard Christians say things like this. Um, oh, yeah, well, uh, let me tell you about my friend. Um, oh, he's a good old boy. He's a good old boy. I'll say, well, you know, where where's does he stand spiritually? Well, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's, well, he's a good old boy. He's just a good sort, you know, good seed, good sort. Uh, he's salt of the earth, you know, total misuse of Jesus' words. Oh, he's, he's salt of the earth. That doesn't mean a good old boy. Um, but, but Christians say that. Well, you know, I, I, yeah, 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 he's a believer. He's, a, he's salt of the earth. Or they'll say things like, um, oh, he's just, he's just a very good moral person. Or uh, 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 yeah, he's, a, he's a believer, you know, in, in God's love. He's, he's a believer and he believes in God. Or I'll say this very specifically. I'll say, hey, is so-and-so a born-again believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, will you pray for my friend? Sure, I'll pray for your friend. Let me ask you a question, though. Is he or she a born-again believer in our Lord Jesus Christ? 
and I get the, the big hesitation. Well, the believer, I say he's a believer. Uh, I'm like, dude, precision on this question. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no groping around and wondering. Um, it, uh, let me tell you what it means to receive Jesus as Savior, okay, specifically. And we're going to get it right from the text. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, one of the things you receive about him is that he is God. There is no question in the Scriptures as to the divinity of Jesus Christ. Read, read Hebrews 1. I mean, we studied that a year and a half ago. Jesus is God, and if you don't believe that Jesus is God... You have not received this Savior. You received some concoction of your own making or the world's making. So first thing, you've got to receive that Jesus is God, all right? Um, or you're dismissing who, who he says he is. How about this? Uh, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Well, what is this believing in his name? Notice that God is doing the initiating here. Um, God is the one who um, gave the right for people to become children. God is the one in the action of, uh, of saving. How about this? Believing in God's name. Isn't that interesting? To all who believed in his name. Why doesn't it just say believed in Jesus or believed in the word or believed in God or believed in salvation? Why does it say believed in his name? Because his name is who he is. His name represents all he is, all he claims about himself. We believe in his name. So you're believing everything that the Scriptures purport about this Savior. Um, how about this? You're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He gives you the right to become children. What does that mean? It means that we're personally saved, personally adopted. Um, we had the privilege years ago. Um, anybody know David and Jan Gould? I mean... They are just uh, delightful people, and uh, we've just enjoyed them over the years, and they're in our grace group, and, you know, if you talk to David, I mean, it's just quite an experience. And, um, but we, we were able to walk through their life with them as they were adopting both their kids from Russia, and uh, it was a big deal, you know? I mean, you had to go over there for three weeks and spend money in Russia, and then go back again for three weeks and spend money in Russia, and uh, you had to prove to the Russians that you were going to still, you know, keep alive the Russian heritage and all that stuff. And, you know, James, uh, 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 David Gould is a big James Bond fan, has a James Bond room in his house. Did you know that? I mean, has uh, high-dollar collectibles of James Bond stuff. It's amazing. It's awesome to see. Um, but anyway, they had this big mural painted in his, in his nursery, in his little bedroom, from Russia with love. And then they had America and Russia and a big plane and James Bond and stuff like that. And so... But it was this big deal. But the whole point is, you know, Gould, David Gould is Gould of Goulds, the hair people. You know, his daddy cut Elvis's hair. Um, so Gould of Goulds. And so Goulds, the Goulds, go to Russia. They get some kid in an orphanage, um, and he's plucked out of that orphanage. What did he have to do with it? Nothing. He's just sitting there. And all of a sudden, David comes in, and Jan comes in, and, and they get him. And he's like, what in the world? And they fly him over, and... Now, all of a sudden, he's a Gould. He's in the hair, he's got a, he's in the hair empire. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a new name. He's got a new heritage. He's in a new family. He's been adopted. He's been brought into the fold. 
I mean, that's the picture the Bible gives us, friends, that, that God has, has adopted us. He's given us the right to become his children. He's given us his name. He's given us a heritage. He's given us new life, um, a new course, a new dominion, it, it, a new authority. It's amazing. And that, that's what God has done, ladies, folks, in, in, in salvation. The gospel is that you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive, and he grabbed you. And he made you a child. Uh, that's the gospel message. He's done that through the, the, the saving work of his son on the cross, substituting our penalty there. All right, second point. Uh, the greatest privilege. Um, verse 12 says that uh, he, gave us, he gave us the right to become children of God. Uh, the point uh, we've been stressing is that human beings are fallen by nature and that the earth is fallen and uh, we're certainly not children of God. We don't walk around here as children of God. Not everybody's God's children. Uh, that is not true. Now, in a sense, God made us all, and so, yeah, um, we're, 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 we've been created by him. But not everyone is described in the, in the Scriptures as God's children. Um, the Scriptures teach that clearly and many times, that there are people, many, who reject this Jesus and um, would even cringe to be called children of God. There are people, oh, yes, uh, you're a child of God. Don't call me that. I don't believe in God. But then there are other people um, who will start a sentence like this. They'll say, well, you know, oh, that's, that's, that's good. I, I'm very glad that you're involved in your church, and I think that's wonderful. But my God is, is this. Uh, my God is this, and uh, my God is this, and my God is this. What is that? That, that is crafting your own version of God, a fake version. There's only one God. It's this God. It's God as he's revealed himself in his word. And yes, in fact, I prayed this out there uh, first hour. Um, I said something like, um, you know, you've revealed yourself uh, in your creation. It is true. Um, But you've done that generally. We see your divine power, your eternal attributes in what you've made. You're in awe of mountains and in awe of oceans and stuff like that. It's overwhelming. Um, We've got some pilots in here. You know, it's it's just sitting up there in the clouds. Ah, Oops. Um, It's it's amazing up there. It's amazing. Um, You're you're in awe, right? Um, But God has specially revealed himself to his children. How has he done that? He has done that through his word. Does his Holy Spirit reside in us? Yes. How does he reveal himself to us with the Holy Spirit residing in us? By the application of his word. That's what he's doing. He's applying the truths in his word to our, our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, it, it's a privilege given to you. Um, you're received. You're found in favor. A privilege is granted, and that means you take the giver at his word. You receive him uh, for who he is, for, for who he says he is. Um, I'll say this. I'm, um, <laughs> I, I'm unafraid to... Um, Speak into the culture. I really am. Uh, and, I, and I don't want to be provocative for the sake of being provocative or just to get people mad at me or whatever. But I'm just telling you, um, we are in a very weird period in um, American and Western uh, and religious history where um, the, the clamoring is for my rights. It's my rights, my rights, my rights, my rights. That's all anybody's thinking of is my, is my rights. And if you question the average person on the street, um, the, the attitude is basically, hey, 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 I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. As long as you just totally leave me alone 
to do whatever I want without any restrictions, then I don't care what you do. I don't care what you believe. I don't care who you love. Who you, what, I don't care anything about that as long as you just leave me alone and with my rights. Um, when you come to Christ, and listen, I'm not saying that we don't have civil rights. We do have civil rights and that we shouldn't use law and, and so on. We, we should. But what I'm telling you is this. When you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, one of the things you come to, one of the realities you come to is you say, oh, I have been made a child. Oh, I have been born anew. Oh, I was dead in my transgressions and sins and I've been given life. You know what that means? You ain't got any rights. What you have are privileges given you. God gives you the right to become children, but it's a God-given right. It's not that you just have things that you can grasp onto and say, this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine. Nothing's yours. It's all a grant. It's all given you. Um, And so um, when you come to saving faith, you realize that you've been given a right that is uh, granted by mercy, the right to become children of God. I'll I'll illustrate that with this. And I've told this to you, but I think it's been years and years and years. You've probably forgotten it. Um, but my parents have had, uh, over their lives, different entrepreneurial endeavors, okay? I mean, they had an ice cream shop when I was young. And, uh, and you know, my, my dad had two jobs for a long time. My mom worked nights, and they had this ice cream shop. And then they became chinchilla ranchers for a while, believe it or not. I know that's hard to believe, but we, we had 50 chinchilla. Um, it's crazy, I know. Um, huh? That's right. I got a chinchilla on my face now, but... Um, but they also had a coffee shop. They had a coffee shop called the Gourmet Chalet in Park Ridge, Illinois. And um, I used to love going up there. It was really cool. It was right before Starbucks hit, you know? In fact, Starbucks moved in two doors down for a moment and, and ended up kind of putting them out of business, sadly, jerks. But, um, but the Gourmet Chalet was groovy. It was a, this eclectic coffee shop, and they sold hardline gourmet products, but it was coffee shop too and all this. And so Tammy and I would go up there at Christmas time, and... Uh, it was, it was great. It was cozy. It was freezing cold, and we're all bundled up, and we're shopping, and, and uh, we'd, we'd kind of look around for a little while. It was busy Christmas rush, and I would hang out in the store for a little while, and then uh, I would get my, my, I would just pick a good moment, and they had these like saloon doors, you know, that was like back to the employee area, and uh, I would strut back there and just go through the saloon doors, and I would watch all the employees freak out because they had no idea who I was, you know? All of a sudden, there's this man wandering back in the, in the, private area. And then I would turn around and I would say, it's okay. I'm the son. It was so much fun because I was breaking the rules and it was like, call the police, you know, and no, it's okay. I'm the son. That's what I'm saying to you. That's what this is saying to you. God has given you the right to become a daughter and a son, all the rights and privileges of, of dealing with this God personally and intimately. It's just a profound thing uh, which, um, which the gospel writer presents. All right, um, last point, the born identity. thought you would like that. Um, look at verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, born is a very descriptive word. It signifies new life into a new family. But notice how carefully the Bible puts it so that we don't miss what kind of life we're talking about here. It's verse 13. Not of blood. What does that mean? It is spiritual life. That's what we're talking about, a spiritual life in a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual family. 
So that's the kind of life we're talking about. How about this, verse 13? Not by the will of the flesh, uh, so it's not manufactured by our experiences, all right? So, you know, you go to the big concert and... Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's the, the big concert and, and you have the big experience and your heart's a flutter and you just go, this is the closest I've felt to God in a long time. And that's, that's not gonna, that doesn't pull you into a relationship with the living God. It's not what you feel. It's not what you go through. Uh, it's not this defining, um, this defining spiritual moment that's conjured up by you and the way you feel. It's not that. Um, it goes on. Nor of the will of man in verse 13. So it's not manufactured by our efforts or our cunning. We don't, we don't uh, uh, negotiate our way into this God's presence. It is simply, in verse 13, but of God. That's the message. It's not this, it's not this, it's not this. It's but of God. That's the only way. God pours out the richness of his blessings upon you, or it could be put, we receive because we've first been received, or it could be put, we love because we've first been loved. All right, application, and we're almost done. Again, the Bible presents us with only two kinds of people. And um, when people say, I believe in Jesus, I believe what Jesus did on the cross, my question is, what did he accomplish there? What he accomplished there was he took the perfectly lived human life that you couldn't live, perfectly lived. It's what you owed God. You're a debtor to him because he made you. You owe him perfect obedience. As rebels, we became debtors. We owe him perfect obedience. We can't give it. Who can? Only Christ. Because he lived a perfect human life. Only Christ. Only Christ can stand before the judge and say, I'm the one innocent one. I'll take his sin and I'll take her shame and I'll take her notoriousness. I'll, I'll, I'll take it on me. Punish me. The wages of sin is death. Well, Christ paid the wages. That's what he accomplished on the cross. He was a substitute, a substitutionary curse bearer for you, the sinner. Um, when we went down, I told you we went down to this um, singer-songwriter thing down in Destin, and uh, I told you I had another cool illustration. I'm about to play it for you. In fact, we're probably going to need to pump up the volume a little bit in just a second. Um, but uh, so we're singing. Anybody heard of Driving and Crying? Remember the Driving and Crying in, in Memphis years ago? Um, well, you know, Driving and Crying, they were, they were, I think they're an Atlanta band, aren't they? Atlanta or somewhere. They, they were in Memphis a lot. And uh, they played in Memphis uh, like the time the Deltones were playing. So we never really saw them, but, but we, we, we traveled the same venues and stuff, you know? Um, and so they were down there, and they were in a big white tent. And Driving and Crying was in there, and uh, a lot of people from all over the South were there, and they knew a lot of the songs and all that. And um, it was a great concert, man. They rocked it. They rocked it. But I, did, I was unaware that their big hit was something that I could not participate in. And uh, I just want you to imagine 500 people singing atrociously, Ten times louder than those people sang first hour. Here's what they were singing. I mean, they were they were busting it, man, busting it. 
computer. All right, now listen. Listen. You can hear me. I'm not. Did you hear me say I'm not? All right, we can kill that. Um, I'm going straight to hell. That's what they were singing. I'm going straight to hell. 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 And they're just singing this with all their might. Well, so, all right, so here's my story. Um, you know, it, that's pretty much an adult function down there. I mean, it's adults going to hear adult music at adult places, but there's always like three weird families that bring small children. Uh, and you're like, dude, what are you doing, man? Oh, we're still cool. Yeah, but it ain't cool to bring your kids. Anyway, um, and so we're in this big tent, 500 people, it's late at night, uh, <clears throat> high energy, high uh, sound pressure, and uh, these nincompoops brought their children. And so it's t- me, Tammy, and a kid. And uh, everyone's singing, I'm going straight to hell. And um, so they, they wrapped around the chorus, I, and I, I had my arm around my wife, and I, I tapped him on the shoulder, and he looked over, and uh, I said, I'm not. And uh, I thought, that's the shortest gospel presentation I've ever made. Um, and I, I, my hope is that someday he'll go, isn't that weird? That homeless-looking dude uh, tapped me on the shoulder in the middle of this big mob full of people singing, I'm going straight to hell. And he said, I'm not. Maybe, maybe God might use that. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But um, 30 seconds later, his stupid idiot father was standing over here coaching him. Come on, sing. I'm going. And so the next thing you know, there's the brother, his little brother sitting on his lap, and mom, dad, brother, and little brother are all singing at the top of their lungs, I'm going straight to hell. Friends, um, this is what Spurgeon said. We're an angel to come with a drawn sword and suddenly to separate the righteous from the wicked with one stroke. You would find that the sword for its edge has the question, believest thou in the Lord Jesus Christ? That is the sword's edge. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes means an eternity in bliss as a child of the King of all kings. No, you can join the rabble singing about going straight to hell with hearts that are content over the the idea. Now, I know it's, it's an old song and people probably have some sentimental stuff to it and all that. But I'm just saying, um, you're either a legitimate child of God or you're going straight to hell. So, do you believe in the Savior God who came to save the guilty, uh, the shameful, the helpless, the sinful, the wicked? You, do you believe in him? If so, then you are a beloved child adopted in God, in Christ forever. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled because... um, Here we are at this time, um, under this book, um, in this scenario, with these people, uh, in this moment. And uh, you're the God who delivers truth. You're the God who opens the eyes of hearts. You're the God who um, makes the dead alive, makes um, the unborn born. And uh, we praise you, Lord, that you have not given up on creation, but have shown us a way unto yourself, a mysterious way, it is true a way that is ridiculed by this world like they would have ridiculed Noah. Uh, It's true. Uh, But our allegiance is to you, O God. And um, when we leave this earth in Jesus Christ, we will be straight in the presence 
of our loving and living Savior. In whose name we pray, amen. Thanks all.